Pure Dog Talk is the voice of purebred dogs. We talk to the legends of the sport and give you the tips and tools to create an awesome life with your purebred dog. From showing to preservation breeding, from competitive obedience to field work, from agility to therapy dogs, and all the fun in between, your passion is our purpose. Pure Dog Talk is proud to be sponsored by Trupanion, medical insurance for pets. Trupanion understands that veterinary costs can be expensive and hard to budget for, especially when your pet gets unexpectedly sick or injured. And that's why Trupanion is there to help you, and help you when you need it the most, by covering eligible expenses during unexpected veterinary visits. Luckily, Trupanion's able to pay your vet directly, so you'll pay less out of pocket and you won't have to wait for reimbursement. Trupanion also has a free program for breeders that allows you to have peace of mind by sending your litters with a special offer so that folks can try out the insurance. You can learn more about the Breeder Support Program by following the link on my partner page. Be sure to mention Pure Dog Talk sent you. Welcome to Pure Dog Talk. I am your host, Laura Reeves, and I have a very special guest for us tonight. This is Karen Bodevang. She's a CPA. She is a St. Bernard owner-breeder handler, and it is P.S., almost tax time. (laughs) So we are going to get you some really good, really in-depth, and really up-close-and-personal tax information, suggestions, recommendations, save your tuchus from a real-life tax person. So, Karen, welcome. Thank you. I'm super excited you're here. So I have dogs, and I don't know whether I'm supposed to write them off on my taxes or not. Okay, so that comes into, (laughs) well, obviously you must be a breeder or you're receiving some kind of income. Right, so you don't get to write your dogs off if you don't have income from your dogs. Let's start with that. Let's start with that. basic. (laughs) If you just have Fluffy, a pet dog, you do not get to write him off as a dependent. No, you don't. (laughs) And it comes down to because dogs seem to be fun, the IRS looks at that very closely because there's so many people that are doing this for fun that they look at hobby breeders versus breeding as a business. Yes. And so let's start with hobby breeders. Yes. Let's say you have a litter of puppies and you sell that litter of puppies. You have 15 of them and you sell and you have gross income. You get $15,000 from this litter of puppies or even $5,000 for this litter of puppies. If you receive income from your puppies, even as a hobby, you have to put it on your tax return, okay? Because that counts as income no matter what. It does. Now, the nice thing about it is that you don't have to pay self-employment taxes on that income. Thank you, Jesus. And before 2018, with the Tax Cuts and Job Acts went in, you could have taken your deductions up to the amount of that income and written them off as a 2% miscellaneous itemized thing. But they did away with that. So now... Thank you. Not so much. Now we have Fluffy's $15,000 in puppy income that you just got. But the only expenses that you can take against that is the cost of goods sold, if you want to put it that way. So a stud fee... For that particular bitch. Okay, sure. so cost of goods sold is how we think of this on a tax basis. For hobby breeders, yeah. Okay. Okay. 
So you got your $15,000. You had a C-section and a stud fee. Those parts can go against the income of the puppy. But cost of feeding the dogs all year, going to the dog shows, vet testing, bills, vet bills, no. random shots. No, just really direct costs of your litter. Wow. Okay, so glad I'm not reporting my income as a hobby breeder anymore. (laughs) Wow. So then the IRS has tests to decide if you're a business because you want to write off your dogs or whatever. And I've gone through two of these audits. It's not a lot of fun. I've been through these audits twice. They're not a lot of fun. Not a lot of fun. No. And you're saying the tax changes that came into place in 2018, right? Affect the hobby breeders. Affect the hobby breeders a lot. Okay. This is not making me happy. Go ahead. Continue. (laughs) Okay. So if you are a business, then yes, they want to do some tests on that. So you're not a hobby breeder. You're now a business. Right. And how do we decide we're a business, right? right? So now we have to have, if you have shown income in three of the most recent five years, then you're a business. Any income, gross, not profit. No. Any income. Yeah. No, your net income. Oh, okay. Yeah, your net income. Okay. But if they were to audit you, and there's a court case that we'll have up on the blog where they did show those profits, but what happened was they weren't claiming all their expenses, and, you know, the IRS figured that one out, too. So, Mm -hmm. you know, if you're going to be a business, you need to treat it like a business. And this is really hard for a lot of people who are thinking very strongly about, I am just a hobby breeder, I'm not in it to make money. But the IRS says differently. Yeah, well, it's the other way, I think, because so Mm. many people want to show that loss to Mm. offset their other income that Mm. is feeding their Uh, dogs. Okay. They don't want to see the loss that way. But the question is, are you really a breeder? You know, Mm -hmm. are you in this for a business? Do you have a business plan? Mm -hmm. It's important that you can say, yes, I've lost money these three years, but... You know, I have a business plan. I am seeking professional help. I am going to these things. I operate my business in a business-like manner, okay? I have a checkbook. Business cards, checkbook. Right. um, Swag with your logo. Right. I have books. Advertising. I do advertising. Yeah, I have it on QuickBooks. I treat it like a business. I'm not just writing checks out of my personal account for this and Mm -hmm. that. And, you know, I have a business credit card. I track my mileage. So that is a good portion of what they're going to be looking at to decide if you are a hobby kennel versus a business, which is what actually allows you to take the the deductions. Right. So that's a super important distinction, you guys. Yeah. So the most persuasive reason is the bookkeeping system Mm -hmm. that you do have a bookkeeping system in place and you're looking at it annually. You're transferring money from your dog account, if you're making money, over to your personal account to pay your mortgage. Rather than the other way around. Yeah, well, that happens too. (laughs) But (laughs) what they want you to do is seek expert advice and document that you're doing this. Advertising is important too. Right. All of that stuff. Memberships, club memberships, count. I'm trying to remember some of the stuff that I went through when I was audited. Permits. Yes, absolutely. They want your county permits. This goes back to what we were just talking about with Dale Martinson on the podcast about being real. We have to be real. Have your licenses, have your permits, go do the hard stuff. Yeah, they want to know about inventory and breeding stock. Mm -hmm. If you have breeding stock, they need to be on there just as they would be equipment and depreciated out. 
And if you and were that to is self- so hard for people. Like this is poopsie, but you have to like change your brain. Right. You have to change your brain, and you can still love your dogs. They don't take that part away. But they want to see: Are you depreciating out your breeding stock? And if you were to sell, let's say you have a bitch that you've had for three years, and you had a litter, and you sell her to someone. If you sell her to that person, then are you taking the gains on that? I mean, there's some pieces of that too. Wow. Inventory of what you have purchased is important. What so, are you holding for resale? Are you holding vehicles, X pens, dog crates, dog bowls? Can we inventory my dog crates before you leave, Karen? <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure that you and I can both just haul those across the room and let's start counting. But yeah, so equipment, fencing, those right. kinds of things are really right. important um, that right. you keep track of and that you depreciate them out correctly. We talked about a business plan. We talked about a checking account or not paying with cash. <sighs> it's really hard because it's everybody really hard. in the dog business wants right. cash, right? right? You need to be 1099 people. And I'm going to talk about this a lot. No, that's good. And, you know, every single one of us that has a kid that comes in after school and picks up poopy or some random person that lives on the property and helps take care of puppies, whatever it is, those people need to be getting 1099. Right. And then there's the veterinarian rule. Mm. So veterinarians have special rules. So if you have a veterinarian, even if they're a corporation, they get put as medical expenses on a 1099. And even corporations do. So anybody veterinarian, you pay over $600. Now, if you're paying your veterinarian with a credit card or a debit card, that's getting reported through the square or right. whatever they're right. using right. for that right. purpose. But if you're writing them a check or paying them cash, you need to be 1099-ing them. Interesting. Different yeah. than writing it off as a business expense. Well, you still write it off as a business, business expense, expense, but, but you they, need to give them a 1099. And their 1099 isn't for non-employee compensation. It is for in the medical box on the 1099s. That is brand new information, and I'm a little terrified. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you also need to 1099 your handlers, your groomers. Like you said, the kids helping you at dog show or taking care of your kennel So dog. if you are planning to file as a business for your breeding business, mm-hmm. you need to send your professional dog handler a 1099 form. Right. And you need to keep track of how much you've paid that professional handler in order to do that. Yes, you do. And if you have a professional handler that is working exclusively for you, then he needs to be on a payroll. Okay, Same. y'all, stand up, pick your jaws up. <laughs> I know. Same thing if you have someone being your kennel help that is only your kennel help. If you have somebody that's working exclusively for you and does not fit the 1099 rules, they should be on payroll. You should be withholding Social Security and Medicare on them. And you should, at least in the state of Oregon, have workers' comp insurance on them. If they got bit by a dog, which can happen... You should have workers' comp insurance and a few things to well, cover as, yourself. as a dog handler, I mean, you handled my handling business taxes. I never did it as a breeding business taxes. I did it as a handling business taxes. And I had care and custody insurance that covered that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, people. Y'all's panties just got in a wad. So yeah, I'm saying... I'm kind of like this Debbie is- Downer when it comes to the way... <laughs> this you- is why... We brought Karen to talk to you because you're all frantically going to seek 
expert yeah. knowledge, and I strongly recommend yeah, it. I do too. Make sure you're talking to a tax professional who understands dogs. Understanding dogs, yes. That is where I got in trouble the time I got audited twice. Thank you. Was like a regular tax accountant. He's uh-huh. like, oh, we can depreciate thousands of dollars. Off right. This. Well, you know, and, and even that just, didn't end well, people. I'm telling you, <laughs> even just mileage. I mean, put mile IQ on your cell phone, and when you go to the vet, then slide it over to business if you're a business breeder. I like that Same. mile IQ. We are going to put that link right. If for some reason you don't have good mileage logs, and we all know how many miles that we put on cars then they will come back at you. That's one of the things they like to look at. As a matter of fact, one of the audits I went through for someone, the only way we could prove the mileage, we were pulling out red and yellow ribbons and blue and purple too. But, you know, just right. to say, right. every and single say ribbon. every single ribbon, we fortunately had a box of them and mm-hmm. could show them from 2002 or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. This is where I was. And, you know, here's the And way. can I remind you all the part about keep your records for seven years? Right. Because they can audit back to seven yes, years. Can. So the audit I got was five years previous. Mm-hmm. And so thank God I had my big calendar, my wild calendar that I kept as a dog handler that said where I went every weekend. Right. And it helped me with a lot of these things. But you guys, breeders, handlers, anybody, keep your records. Right. And when you're keeping your records, that includes your receipts. Yes. Now, there are some really cool apps now with your cell phone. That I'm ducking my head because I've been <laughs> chastised, by the way, you guys. They're not going to allow it if they can't prove that you paid it. Mm-hmm. You know, so there's mm-hmm. some really cool apps like Receipt Bank. Receipt right. Bank's awesome. And you just take a picture with your cell phone and you hit go and it goes up into your QuickBooks in the cloud. And then you match it with your bank account and you do some matching. You know, if you don't have time, you get somebody like us who does a lot mm-hmm. of bookkeeping. Mm-hmm. And can do that matching, but then it's somewhere and you can throw that piece of paper away. And can I put in a personal plug? And this is, I'm talking to my personal account and I want you guys to know. But I'm saying the value of having someone who is part of your team, okay, who understands you and your business Mm -hmm. and is able and willing to work with you to get it right, I cannot tell you the joy (laughs) versus the agony of defeat that was the other way around. So my pitch. Thanks. So, you know, eventually if you have a good business plan and you can still love Fluffy your dog and take it to the dog shows, hopefully you will actually make a profit three of the five years, you know? It doesn't have to be much. No. $5. Right. But you do, yeah. But you need to, you need to show that you're doing it, you know, that you are trying to take it seriously and that you are treating it like a business. I mean, that's the big thing. Hang tight, guys. Got a little bit of information for you. We'll be right back to the podcast in a minute. So, hey, crew. New year, new decade. Let's have some new Pure Dog Talk promos while we're at it, shall we? Alright. Our patrons group continues to grow and thrive. It's like the NPR of dogdom. It's so cool. And Pure Dog Talk offers you, my loyal listeners, an opportunity to get in on the fun. Pure Dog Talk patrons are invited to join a closed Facebook chat group just for you. And I promise you, no drama mamas, no keyboard warriors, just fabulous, supportive, Pure Dog Talk fans. That's it. Each month, I pick a photo 
submitted by our patrons group to be the cover image on the Facebook page. You guys have seen it. And anybody with a quick question gets immediate feedback from moi personally, as well as input from the array of patron group members. Pretty fun. The patrons group also gets first dibs on podcast topic suggestions. So if you have something you want to hear about, that's a good way to do it. And to celebrate the new year, I'm adding a whole new technological challenge to my life. Oh my God. I will be hosting Facebook Live discussions for patrons only on the final Monday of each month from 6 to 7 p.m. Pacific time zone. Y'all join us from wherever you are, but that's when they'll be. Just a few of our planned topics of conversation include advertising on a shoestring budget. (laughs) Yeah, trust me, we can talk about that. Campaigning a special just for runner handlers. Problem solving the stack. Tricks of the trade for grooming. Like what products do I like or anybody else like? Open mic Q&As, all that kind of stuff. What you guys need to know is that the generosity of Pure Dog Talks patrons is literally what keeps the MP3s running here. The money is set aside exclusively for overhead and operational expenses. That's it. Now, I'm incredibly grateful to our corporate sponsors. You have no idea. (laughs) They have the dedication to purebred dogs and the resources to ensure that Pure Dog Talk remains a powerful voice for purebred dogs. That you guys, y'all believed in this mission and you've supported it from the beginning. You are the heart and soul of my crusade to provide all purebred dog lovers a constantly growing, challenging treasure trove of knowledge in a 21st century format. Like our own So just click the Be My Patron on Podbean button on the website. It's quick, it's easy, it's secure. And I hope to see all of you on the next Facebook Live chat. So I think we've kind of covered hobby breeder versus the business breeder shower. I thought maybe we'd talk a little bit about handlers and judges. Yes. And I think this is a big one. Obviously, like I said, most of my tax life has been as a professional handler more than as a breeder. Mm -hmm. I didn't do that much breeding. It didn't count. I was mostly a handler. And so the handler and now the judge piece, which is very interesting to me, and the one we're going to get to in a minute, which is kennel clubs. But let's focus on handlers and judges. Right. So we're going to throw judges in here, although most of this is to handlers because of the travel and the meals. Right. Because judges and handlers get reimbursed for their travel. So if someone else, your client or your club, is paying for your travel and directly reimburses you, and then you give them the receipt, then it does not have to be on your 1099, okay? But if they do put it on your 1099, keep a copy of that so that you can write that part off. If you give it to them, they're going to be deducting or claiming that part, and Mm -hmm. you won't have to. So it's just Mm -hmm. your self-employed income that's going to be coming through, what you did for a living, Right. okay? Remember, if it's a hobby, if your client is a hobby, they can't deduct your business, so be nice to your clients, (laughs) you know? Business meals have changed. Business meals with clients on business trip is still 50% deductible, but you do have to document, document, document. So document 
you can't just have a $250 dinner with 10 right. people or two people and say, hey, it was business. No. What is your documentation your to documentation say? Your documentation is I had dinner with my client. We discussed the shows, that kind of thing. That's different. That's trying to make income. Now, if they take their spouse or you take their spouse, that's no longer deductible. You can't do that. So it's just the client that you're talking business with and yourself. That's 50% deductible. That's all been changed. Interesting. Okay. So, yeah, meals with your friends. Just, hey, we're all going to dinner and I'm picking up I'm the I'm talking bill. about business. Right. Yeah. yeah no. no. It, and it needs to be written down on the back of the receipt now. Y'all people, I'm here to tell you it's going to go down bad. <laughs> okay. So when you're away from home, your meals, if you're mm. there on business, mm. is 50% deductible still. That's okay. okay. Because 50%, I mean, they figure you're going to eat anyway. That's part of it. Obviously, the mileage, again, is a huge deduction for the handlers. Yeah. I used to put and, in 50,000 miles a year. wasn't good. <laughs> right. Yeah. And the question is, is, I mean, if you're driving something really fuel efficient, it may be better that you take the mileage and we don't do things. Talk about or this. We this might is a really to, good, right, you know, do, we went back and forth with the Sprinter and the motorhome. Uh-huh. So talk about that, the mileage versus the... What is it? Cost? Specific the cost. cost the the right. specific cost. And there's different. Uh, so on the vans, because most of the handlers are driving vans. Sprinter vans. The sprinter vans. Like if you have a non-passenger van that is over certain weight limits and you have a way that you can't just jump in the back and run back there, then we can do some different things with depreciation than if you picked up an Econoline line and pulled the seats out, left a couple seats for people. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a different kind of a depreciation. So, so both of those are different. You need to talk right, to your yeah, accountant the vans, about The vans that. and the SUVs, they want you to not be a passenger van, that it can mm-hmm. be depreciated out quicker than the other. To but me, the most to- interesting thing was the motorhomes that you could write off like a vacation home or however you Right, but that, that goes on your personal one, and it might right. be better to be helping to on offset the, the self-employment tax. But mm-hmm. if you're taking it on vacation, too, then we need to document that I took it 20% on vacation, so mm-hmm. I can't use that 20% of that motorhome mm-hmm. for the business against my self-employment taxes. Okay. And again, to the handlers, I say keep your receipts. I know it's hard with a dog full of vans and you're just running here and running there and the gas bill comes and you throw it in your pocket. But again, take a picture, use a snap thing. If a handler is working for just one client long term, make sure that you're getting your payroll taxes, you know, Mm -hmm. make sure that somebody else is paying that and you're getting yourself taken care of. And as we talked about employees, make sure you're 1099ing them, get their social, sorry, but follow through with it. And remember when you're paying anybody under the table, then you're actually paying their taxes, okay? And so that's really not a good deal. You're supposed to be looking out for yourself. (laughs) Does that make sense? Right. And so where I've seen people get, I'm not claiming that, I'm paying it under the table. And it's like, but now you're paying self-employment tax on that. So you're paying an extra 15.3% on that. You're paying their tax because you've had to claim it. What did you just help here? You know, that's not a good deal. And then while we're talking about handlers, keep track of who owes you money. You know, (laughs) somebody handed me a dog and I ran in the ring, you might say. But, you know, again, there's time management apps Mm -hmm. on phones that you can Mm -hmm. click it. And then at Mm -hmm. least you can get your billing done right away. Stay on your billing because... Stay on your billing, I think, is one of the things that too many of the handlers I know personally struggled with. Now, I know what I did as a handler that worked for me which was flat rate billing for any of my live-in clients. Mm -hmm. And I still believe that that's a really great solution. Set your flat rate billing to where it is right for you, for your breeds, for your clients, for what have you. But that made 
an enormous difference sure. in my business life. Sure. And that's where people like our office can come into play too Correct. and help with your billing or put you on, for example, there's another app called T-Sheets where right. you set your client base. And if somebody hands you a dog, then you can click it right then and not have to worry about it. And somebody else on the back end can be doing your billing and it makes up their costs real quick that you didn't miss those opportunities to get paid. Right. I like that. So you guys think about some of these newfangled, I'm just putting it out there, dog handlers, <laughs> some newfangled opportunities to use some of these applications to your benefit. Right. Because I mean, everybody's on Facebook anyway, on their cell phone, you just switch apps. <laughs> let's, let's do it. Other things I really want the handlers to talk about, because we've been doing purebred dogs since, so oh, 1996. Right. And I have met a lot of people and I have seen a lot of handlers come and go. And honestly, the biggest thing the handlers need to think about is a retirement plan and an exit strategy. Because sooner or later, your body breaks down or, and you need to have a way out. And so sitting down with the professional and saying, okay, I want to make sure I've got enough into social security. I want to be putting $20 a month into my retirement or out of every client. I want to do this or something Percentage. that you have, mm -hmm. that you have some way that later on you can say, okay, I can do this and I can go play with my dogs now if I right. want. <laughs> right. Well, and as your living testimonial to an exit strategy here at Pure Dog Talk, it's true. And you guys, the fact of the matter is, there's a few of y'all that are still doing it, but I'm saying an exit strategy is a good thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it doesn't have to be immediately, but at least that way you have, like I said, you have a way out. Yep, So absolutely. All right, so clubs, which I think so many clubs lose sight of this. Mm-hmm. Okay, so clubs, there's not just the tax part of it. There are different 501Cs. There's 501C3s, which are the donation ones. Mm -hmm. So we're trying to make... In terms of a nonprofit. Right, nonprofit. Mm -hmm. So we want to make a better place for purebred dogs, but that's not... But not a, all clubs are nonprofits. Right. Most of them aren't and shouldn't be. Mm -hmm. If you're putting on a dog show, really, you shouldn't be in 501C3... You are a club, a 501c7. So 501c7 is your designation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Okay. But there's different ways when you're on those sevens and threes and, you mm -hmm. know, all of those mm -hmm. different ones that the deductions are different. The write-up is different. There was actually a dog club that got audited a couple years ago. And because of the way their nonprofit number was, mm. then they took away all of their dog show income. Wow. And made it taxable, you know. And Ooh, that's so bad. It is. I mean, that's where we're here to put on dog shows to promote purebred dogs. But the way it was written up, it wasn't for their membership benefit. And because of the way they were bringing it in, it didn't work out. Also for clubs, 1099-ing. You do need to 1099 the judges. And don't forget your veterinarians. How many clubs put on eye clinics, health clinics, hip clinics? And that has to go as a 1099 to the yes, vet? Yes, same thing. Health and medical. Wow. Right. So they need to make sure that they're following through with those if they're doing those. Hmm. And then the last part is clubs. We have seen a lot of clubs lately where the treasurer's walked off with the cash. Okay. Yeah, I was just going to say, are we going to go to this? Because that's a terrible thing for little breed clubs and huge all breed clubs. Right. And so... We what are some good checks and balances? Yeah, what are those checks and balances? What are things that clubs can, I mean, like really concrete steps that clubs can put in place to help prevent that the, kind of thing? The biggest thing I always think is the bank reconciliation. 
Mm-hmm. And the treasurer is usually a signer and usually doing the books, and the president is usually a signer, maybe the vice president too, okay? Mm-hmm. So the best thing to do with that is have the treasurer at your club meetings or once a month present to either your audit committee or a board member that is not a signer, mm-hmm. both the bank statement and the copies of the check and the bank reconciliation. And that person should review it and sign off. Actually go through and match them up. Match them up. Look at the mm-hmm. copies of the check. Back make an your, audit committee. Yeah, make an audit committee, yes. <laughs> that, and I mean, you're saying that, and I'm like, oh, yeah. Have an ongoing audit committee. You don't have to just do it at year end, because by that time, they've paid six months of their mortgage out. And which they I've ran seen. away to Mexico, yeah. yeah well, I've mm. seen treasurers write a check to their mortgage, you know, to be able to make ends meet. Unfortunately, they were using clubs funds to do that. So if you can stay on top of it monthly, and the treasurer shouldn't have a problem with it, it's covering their mm-hmm. tail, too. Mm-hmm. But yeah, on that bank reconciliation, one of the things they want to look at is outstanding checks and outstanding deposits. Because if you have outstanding deposits, that means it's either sitting in a cash drawer or it's going into somebody's pocket and not making it to the bank. And we all know that when you're doing a dog show, for example, or somebody pays their dues, half randomly the, cash. the cash from the, oh, say, raffle. Right. Randomly, half of it doesn't make it to the... I don't know how that happened. I don't know what right. you're talking about. Yeah. And that's not just the treasurer. That's also the person that was might have been in charge of the raffle. And so, especially if you have something large, mm-hmm. where the club is making a good chunk of money to, mm-hmm. you know, help their coffers, then let's make sure that there are checks and balances. Okay, well, we had a match. We had 20 dogs at... 20 bucks, right? Does that? Add that's easy. To, Does it match what got to the bank? Right. You know, it's just a 10-minute thing that somebody else mm-hmm. can check. And if you mm-hmm. have an audit committee, they can keep those checks and balances mm-hmm. in of, hey, you $5 short, not a big deal. But mm-hmm. if you're you know, $500 short, maybe we need to keep looking at this and see mm-hmm. where did this money go? Did it get thrown in? A, you know, I've seen it thrown in an envelope in the back of somebody's van. <sighs> right? right? Yeah, yeah no, for sure. Club. No, so. never made it there. So, I mean, you and I have both been around dogs long enough to know that somebody's going to get their panties in a twist right. as soon as you start talking about this stuff. Right. So, give us some good advice to how, whether you're the club president or whoever you are that's recommending these precautions, how do you say that? What is your method for achieving that without drama. (laughs) I'm praying here, but just go with it. (laughs) Yeah. Usually we suggest an audit committee, like Mm -hmm. I said, on a monthly basis. And when you do that and you explain to the treasurer and the president who's a signer and all of these people that we are here to cover everybody, to Mm -hmm. make sure that if there's any mud thrown later on, Mm -hmm. that it's not going to land on you. Right. Right. And that way, if somebody's always questioning it, it actually helps keep the tempers down. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you want to know where the term bitch comes, join a dog club. It's... I guarantee it's, you, every single always has been there. Yes. I've been there. You've been I there. We've all been there. the parent there. club for four yep. years. Here and I've, seen, I've worked with other parent clubs, which were ready to send each other to court and call the sheriff yeah, on each yeah. other. And mm-hmm. the nice thing about this is if you can get these things in place right away, then later on, it really does it help keep the temper. It becomes part of the culture. Right. It's part right. of the culture. Nobody's pointing fingers, mm-hmm. you I know? Like and when everybody's pointing fingers, then nothing seems to get done. And you're not helping your breed at all. 
yeah. or your local kennel club or whatever it is that right. you're having the problem with. Right, yeah. yeah. And, you know, people call us all the time and say, hey, we are a small club and we want you to do an audit. Wait a minute. Well, number one, I don't do audits anymore. So I've got this bodysuit that's like got <laughs> right. bulletproof. Right. <laughs> well, the thing of it is, is that when they're asking a CPA to do an audit, our audits have to get audited. So anytime oh we God. do one of those, it's going to probably cost you upwards of $2,000, which mm. is dumb for a small co-op. Right. But if you have an audit committee with good procedures in place mm-hmm. and you can get that done, then that's what they really want to know. Is somebody stealing the funds? Is everything matching up? And right. so we can help them set up an audit committee with good procedures. For example, on the audit committee we were just talking about, we mm-hmm. want to make up, mm-hmm. right? Have them pull three random checks every month, you know, pick a number. And then they look at it. Yeah, it was made out to so-and-so. It wasn't made out to so-and-so's mortgage, right? (laughs) Not made out to so-and-so's mortgage is super important. Right. And I guess what I'm going to say is, you know, April 15th is around the corner. Yes. And not everybody is as lucky as I am to have a dog breeder, dog judge, CPA in your town (laughs) next door. So seek professional help. Yes. Seek as much professional help as you can get with people who have knowledge in the industry as best you can. Right. And be aware of some of these details. And we're going to have a whole big, there's a whole bunch of information we're going to put in the blog post. Right. And I'll include Karen's information. She may be able to refer you to other people in your area. We do taxes nationwide right now. Yeah, we're doing this nationwide. And we do Zoom meetings and those kinds of things too. And the one thing I did forget to mention when we were talking about 1099s is there is a $550 fine per 1099 if you willfully disregard doing them. Okay. And there's no limit on it. 1099s have changed. I think this is something a lot of you guys may not be aware of. I was shocked when I heard this. They lowered the amount that triggers a 1099 just a year or two ago, right? 600, yeah. It's now $600. So I cannot think of a single assistant I paid back in the day, fortunately before this rule changed, (laughs) that made less than $600 in a year. Right, yeah. It's a $600 from January to December 31st. And like we said, the veterinarians aren't exempt if they're a corporation. But because $550 willful disregard, and they're going to ask you on your business tax return. Now, hobbyists don't have to do it. So right. if you're a hobby breeder, you're off the hook on that Christy. one, right? Professional, yeah. Professional handlers, handlers clubs, um, and, and, and breeders, breeders who are, right, breeders who are submitting their taxes as a business. Right. Okay. Yeah. So we went over a lot of things really quickly, but there's a lot of good ways to do this remotely. There's a lot of good ways to do this while you're on the road now that it didn't Mm -hmm. used to be when Mm -hmm. you were having to carry around a little envelope and stick your gas receipts Um, into. Somewhere over here is one of my boxes that I used to carry. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, Karen, thank you. Lots of good information, even for me. And you're my accountant. So I'm saying... Thank you. And listeners, check out the blog post. There's going to be a ton more information there, as well as some contacts. So thanks a lot, babe. Thank you. As always, if you have any questions or input, we'd love to hear from you. The show notes and links to resources on today's topic are available at puredogtalk.com. Drop us a note in the comments or email to laura at puredogtalk.com. Remember, guys, this podcast is for you. So if you want to know something, give me a holler. We'll do a podcast for you. If you wouldn't mind, you could help me out here. Take a couple minutes to visit iTunes and give us a review. 
The Dog Show Superintendents Association is a proud supporter of Pure Dog Talk. Our dog show superintendents are the hardworking people who make the dog show function. They are advocates for education and mentorship in the purebred dog fancy. So stop by the Supers desk at your next show. Tell them how much you love Pure Dog Talk and give them a shout out for their support. That's all for today. Thank you for joining us on Pure Dog Talk.